this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. So Daniel asked me to come up here today and uh, talk about what prayer has been in my life. Um, and this is connected to the Deeply Connected program that we have on Tuesday nights that we come and pray. And I was actually pretty excited about it because I have definitely seen a change in my life and I would really like to share that with you. Um, so when I joined Connection, which really hasn't been that long ago, um, I found myself that I didn't know how it was possible to pray the way people in this church were praying. Because at any point, they could just pray, and it made sense, and it sounded good, and I knew that I didn't pray like that. Um, so I found it slightly odd, like different, and intimidating. It didn't sound like me at all. Um, so I just felt like I didn't know how to pray. And there were events in which it could be like a connect group or a, a big uh, family like meeting and they would ask someone to pray. And obviously there's a silence and I would just wait for someone to pray because I wasn't going to be the one praying out loud. And those were the moments that I would just feel that fear of, I am never going to be able to do this. And it was um, intimidating. It was, it was difficult. Um, so what happened after was that um, they started this deeply connected um, groups. And it was every Tuesday night, an opportunity to just come and pray. And I didn't know that what I did, I was facing my own fear by attending these Tuesday meetings. The group moved in my prayer life progressively um, because first I would go and listen and I would not say a word. And I would join in singing, uh, which by the way is the same songs because Daniel is the one that plays music, so the repertoire is the same as tonight. <laughs> um, and uh, so I would just sit there, and um, I kind of like wanted to find the right way to pray, and I thought I was going to get it. Um, as I sat in the, in the groups, I felt just connected in that quietness, connected to the Father. And I came to realize that prayer wasn't about doing it right or doing it wrong. It was about feeling comfortable with speaking to my father out loud. Um, it was about saying what was in my heart at that moment and that it wasn't really even me speaking. It was actually the Lord through me letting me speak. Um, 
so my, my journey in, in prayer is ongoing and it is so fulfilling. Um, now I need to go on Tuesdays and I go, I think, all the time. Um, I rarely miss and I need it. It's like my fuel. Um, and I say that it's not over because it is ongoing. It is getting better, not because I'm praying better, but because it's getting better within me. Um, so my prayer has turned from fearful to decisive and faithful. My faith is strengthened in prayer. Um, so the main thing that I would like to say that has been different is that prayer is no longer wishful. It has this kick of faith that I know that I am asking for something that I know is going to happen, that I'm not making up stuff, that my faith is so strong in the Lord that I just put it out there knowing that he's loving on me and that this is going to happen. Um, so with that, I just wanted to invite everyone, if you ever have a curiosity to see what these Tuesday prayer groups are about, to join any Tuesday, um, not to ever feel intimidated because I have been through all the steps of that process and I am so happy with my prayer life right now and I am very blessed to have been a part of it. So thank you. I wanna share with you just a little bit from the book of Acts. Uh, we're looking at, um, for these first six months, what does it mean to be a servant of God or to serve people and to, to be um, someone who is known as someone who serves and not someone who is looking to get from someone. And one of the things that the Lord's been putting on my heart in a heavy measure, and it has to do with our society and our, our world today, is, is the unity of the church. And we're going to focus on that. We didn't plan this. Um, but it worked out this way. We're going to focus on unity for the last six months of the year, which you realize is going to be really pivotal as a, an American with the election coming up in November. Uh, there's going to be a lot of divisiveness. I mean, there already is. Um, but so for the church, how do we not allow the divisiveness of the world to get in here? How do we allow... Uh, the Lord's unity that he does bring to his church, how does it manifest? How does it come about? How do we see it? How do we experience it in the church? And um, if, if we just talked about the issues in our society today, if we just, even a smaller group like tonight, we would have a lot of different opinions on a lot of different ideas that, that, and values of society. I think we would agree on a lot of things, but there would be some things we would have drastically different uh, views on. And so what is it that, about the church when we look over the course of history and we see when the church began, uh, it began in the book of Acts when Jesus had been resurrected and he, he saw his people and he was with them and they touched him and like, you were dead and I see scars in your hands and in your side and in your feet and I, and I, 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 I touched you and you're eating fish. You know, he's, so Jesus was at least pescatarian. Um, and so he was eating fish and he was he's like, look, there's something different about me. I am resurrected from the dead, but not like Lazarus. And not like the other ones, I've been resurrected in a way that I'll never die again. And it, he also didn't just come back to life because he had, if he had just come back to life from being dead to be back to life again, he would have had scars all over himself, 
right? You know, you've been scarred before. It takes a while for that to heal. But he came back, and there were only certain scars that God chose to leave on him. And they were scars of the crucifixion in his hands and his feet and his side. And so he was resurrected in this new way that wasn't known before. It was unprecedented. It had never happened that way before. And it was difficult even for the authors of our New Testament, the, the apostles, the chosen ones, the ones who Jesus sent out to, to carry the message. It was even hard for them to explain what had happened for them, uh, for Jesus. It was hard for them to figure that out because it was new to them. And so they gathered together. Jesus left them and like, you're going to leave us again? Really? He says, no, you have to understand it's good for me to go because if I don't go, you're just going to have me. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the Father and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the same power of God that lived in me and did all these miracles. I'm going to send to my church and I'm going to anoint you and appoint you to go out and take the gospel to the ends of the world and you're going to be empowered to do this. And so they went and he says, wait here until you get the power from on high, the Holy Spirit. And so they did and they went and in Acts chapter 2 the Holy Spirit just baptized them, immersed them, filled them to overflowing, and weird things were happening. They were speaking languages they didn't know. People were hearing things. People accused them. These people are drunk. Listen to them. They're talking gibberish. And Peter is like, dude, it's nine o'clock in the morning. Even drunks aren't drunk at nine o'clock in the morning, guys. And so you can smile. That, that's funny. No? Okay. Thank you, Nathan. There he is. I hear you. There you are. All right. And so he said, you know, even, you know, it's nine o'clock in the morning. Of course we're not drunk. God's doing something new. And so they continued doing this um, life together and figuring it out. It wasn't easy for them. It wasn't like they had a road map, but they had something better than that. They had the presence of God with them. And man, too many times I want a road map. I want a list of things that God wants me to do. And God's like, dude, you're missing the point. It's me that you want. It's me that you need. It's the presence of God living in Daniel that you need to be striving for and pursuing. And that's what these people had. And so we look back in Acts chapter 2, and I want us to look in verses 42 through 47. I'm going to read it for us, and we'll talk quickly about what these church people had. What unites the people of God? That's the title of the sermon. What unites the people of God? What brings us together? In verse 42 of Acts chapter 2, it says, they devoted themselves, and these are the church people, the, to con contextually speaking, in the progression of the book of Acts, he's talking about the believers, those who had been filled with the Spirit of God. They were meeting regularly together and doing these things, and so that's the they they're talking about. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to what? Prayer. Next verse. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. It doesn't mean they had, uh, they had the same ideas for everything. What it means is everything, it was like, what's mine is yours, and what's yours is mine. You need help, I'm going to help you. I need help, I know you're going to help me. So they had everything in common. Next verse. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. So they were meeting in the courts, which are public areas. In, um, it'd be like walking down the sidewalk over here, and you have places where people congregate. And they would, they would meet there in the courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved.
This is the word of the Lord. So what unites the people of God? The first thing is this, the resurrected Jesus. That's what unites the people of God. Number one, you can write that down if you want, the resurrected Jesus. That is what unites the people of God. This was a priority for these people. It wasn't like, oh, I like their music over here. You know, the preacher's good. He doesn't do corny jokes. You should go over there. Uh, it wasn't anything personal preference that, that drew them together. This was a, a mixed bag of people with different preferences. What drew them together was one thing, the resurrected Jesus. The, the other stuff got put in its place. When you understand that the Messiah, the, the one who claims to be the Messiah, he comes along the scene and he's doing miracles and he was doing crazy amount of miracles, wonderful things stirring the crowds, and he promises that he's the Son of God, and all these things, and you see him die on the cross, and all your hopes are dashed. It's, it's over. And then one day, you get news to the grapevine. What? He's alive? I don't believe it. I don't believe it. He's, he's alive? And then you see him, and it changes your life forever. Something new is happening. So these people were passionate about the resurrected Jesus, to the point where Peter and John, and probably others too, I mean, we don't have the full story of everything that the church did in the Bible. It's just little pieces here and there. There's all kinds of miraculous things that have happened then and even today miraculous things are happening. And so we don't have all of these stories, but what drew them together was this resurrected Jesus. It was the priority of that. Like, I don't care about all these other issues. What brings me together with you is the fact that Jesus was dead and he rose again. And I know that he's the Messiah. I know he's the one. So this is a priority for them. So for us, it's the same thing. It's a priority of God's people. What we need to understand is that the priority for us needs to be the resurrected Jesus. What are your thoughts on the election? What's your, what's your thoughts on the halftime show of the Super Bowl? All right? What's your thoughts on this? You know what? There's a lot of things we can say about those things. However, the reason we are united here is because there's a resurrected Jesus. And that's what our priority has to be. Like, I don't have all the answers to the other thing, but... And Peter and John, they said, you can put us in jail. They were told to be quiet. Stop sharing this stuff about this Jesus who's resurrected. And they said, you can say what you want to do. You can put us in jail if you want to. But we will not stop proclaiming that Jesus has risen from the dead because it is the gospel truth. And so they didn't care what they would do to them because the resurrected Jesus promised them that they would be resurrected from the dead. So there's nothing that people can do to you to threaten you. Because the worst case scenarios are going to kill you and torture you, but at some point it's going to be over, and then there's going to be a resurrection. And it's promised through Jesus. So there was something, and these people were going through a difficult time. They weren't in like the, the heyday of you know, the country doing well and thinking highly of Christians. They were facing persecution for their faith. And they still prioritized the resurrection of Jesus. They prioritized it. They magnified it. This was the thing that they kept talking about. The apostles' teaching was certainly centered on the resurrection of Jesus. It was certainly about that. And it was certainly about them understanding how the Old Testament pointed people to the resurrected Jesus. And they united on this. So that's what we should be united on, the resurrected Jesus. The second thing is the sharing life together. So there's this resurrected Jesus that unites us, and then there, what else unites? What also unites us is sharing life together. When we go through difficult times, when our families are struggling, and we share that with our fellow believers, and we get the support that we need from them, it unites us. It draws us together. It humbles us. It reminds us that we are not on an island by ourselves and self-sustaining. 
But the Lord will wound us in order to heal us. And so the same Lord convicts us of our sin, which is a wound, right? We become aware that we're like, oh, snap, if something doesn't happen, I'm going to face judgment forever. So he will wound us with that, but he will heal us with the gospel, and he will empower us. And so uh, sharing life together, uh, meals, and sharing victories, and sharing challenges, this is what unites the church, that we know that we're here for one another. And if you're too proud to ask for help, then that's a heart issue that God is going to get eventually. He's not finished with you yet. And he's going to get you past that because there's something better on the other side. Pride usually has a really effective way of keeping us away from God's best. And so challenges and victories and meals, sharing life together is a way the church is united. And the last one is this. It shouldn't surprise you at all. Prayer. Prayer unites the church. It unites the people of God. Praying together. It said in, in verse 40, 42, it said, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and that means sharing meals together, and to prayer. These people got together and they prayed passionately. They had prayer meetings that would put our Tuesday nights to shame. They were in it. They were pursuing the Lord. The Spirit was moving in their lives. This was everything to them. And praying together is one way for us as the church, and probably the most effective way for us as a church, to continue our progress of truly becoming a family together, that we are known to pray for one another, to pray with one another. And this is what will help us go from having a, a, a checking church off the list of to-dos for the week into where instead of a discipline or a to-do, it's a delight. It's something that Jess said earlier in her testimony that, like, I have to go on Tuesday nights. And she said that before uh, to us as well on Tuesday. Like, I have to be here. I'm going to be there. I have to be there. It's going to be something weird that, have to, that happens for me not to be there on Tuesday nights. And I feel the same way uh, in, uh, for Tuesdays as well, but also for my prayer life as well, that I, it's, a, it's a joy to do. And prayer unites us as a family together. I'll finish with this. It says in verse 46, every day they continued. Every day. It wasn't like Sundays and Tuesdays. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And I know what I'm thinking. Maybe you're thinking too. Yeah, but they weren't busy like us. You know, they didn't have to take the subway. They didn't have the jobs they had to do. They lived closer together. All those things are probably true. Actually, I know they didn't have the subway. That's true for sure. But they met together. And the reason they met together is because why? The resurrected Jesus was a priority in their life. It, had, it rocked their world. They realized that this is what we're going to center our lives on. And sharing life together changed, and prayer was a priority for them. And so they met together on a daily basis in the temple course, they broke bread in their homes. So it wasn't just out and about, but they were inviting one another into their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And here's a challenge I have for me this week, is that every time I'm tempted, which is going to be every day because the news is just after us, okay? It's coming after you, whether you're left or right or right down the center, and you just can't stand any of it. It's just coming after you, okay? And when you're tempted to start to complain or gripe or, or realize that if th- people did things my way, the world would be better. Pause and just, just, just stop in that moment and find something to thank God for. 
What can I be thanking God for today? What can I be praising Him for? What can I be enjoying and have this glad, sincere gratitude in my heart to, to change my perspective? I had someone in my Uber a few, was a few months ago now, but he, he got in and he was talking politics. And, you know, you have people along the scale of this is what's your left, this is my left, so this is your left, from far left to far right okay? And so he was way over on the far left in his, his views of things. And uh, so I was expecting uh, kind of like a Bernie Sanders type, you know, stance. But he said all these things or whatever, and some of it sounded good, some of it I didn't agree with, but he said this thing, and, it, and, and I was like, really, you just said that? He said, well, I tell you what, I wish I were all powerful, and I, pe- I just had control, and people would just do what I say, because I would rule with fear. And I'm like, dang, I am glad you don't have any power at all whatsoever. You are a terrible person. <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, but he just straight up said it, and he wasn't joking. He was like, I would do it. I would just rule. And I think if we're not, well, if I'm being honest, there are times when I think the same thing. I think just some people, they're just dumb. They're just stupid. They're selfish. And if I had the power, I would set the world straight. And that's a dangerous place to be. I'm not the answer for the world. The resurrected Jesus is that answer. He's the only one who can bring healing. He can take the guy that's in my backseat of my, my Uber that wants to rule with fear, and he can soften his heart with the gospel. And he can cause me and him one day to be proclaiming the name of the Lord together in unity. We may not have the same political ideals and, and, and views, but we can absolutely worship Jesus together with glad and sincere hearts. They were praising God. So this week, here's your challenge. What can you thank God for? One of the things we, did on, we do on Tuesday nights is we, we pray for uh, prayer requests, and we actually thank God for answering those things. Thank you, Lord, for drawing my children close to you. Thank you, Lord, uh, for restoring this relationship. Thank you, Lord, for that. And these are things that haven't happened yet, but we're thanking God because we know God wants to say yes, and God wants to bring restoration. He wants to bring healing. He wants to bring goodness into our lives. And so we're thankful we do these things, but we're also praising God. So what are some ways that you can be praising God this week? Lord, I praise you for this. I praise you for that. Just start naming things out. And when you can't name them, just say, I praise you for being you because that's enough. We don't have to praise him for the things that he's done for us, but we praise him simply because he is worthy of our praise. And as we do that, praising God, the last verse, and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. You know, I think everybody wants our church to expand and to grow and to see new people come in here and come to know the Lord, and that will happen. The Lord will send those people if we are the people of God that we can be. If we are the people of God that proclaim the resurrected Jesus, that share life together, and that pray together fervently, then we will see significant things happen in our lives. And there's also the things, too, that were happening there, that the Spirit was bringing healing to people and doing things that could only be explained by the fact that God was doing it. And isn't that what you want Don't you want to see God do some things that would give him praise and give him the glory? I know you do. I know you do. And I do too. And so tonight, uh, let's remember what unites the church. I'll pray for us. Lord, we praise you. We love you tonight as we um, spend this time together. Lord, I pray that you would draw our hearts close to you, that we would be united with you. 
and that we would be united with one another. We bless you, Lord. I thank you for every person who's here tonight. And as we continue this worship service, Lord, I pray that you would uh, magnify the name of Jesus as we worship you in our hearts and our souls with all of our might and with all of our strength. In Jesus' name, amen.